0: All right, if you've got your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. We're going to be looking this morning at verses 1 through 10. And um, I'm going to do just a little disclaimer, okay? Um, So we've been talking about generosity. We've talked about generosity in service. Uh, We've talked about generosity in other aspects of our lives. This morning we're talking about generosity and power. And, um, and there's a close intersection here because, because power is closely uh, tied to money, all right? And um, this isn't the generosity and money sermon that you're all anxiously awaiting. Some of you are here this morning because you thought, this morning it's money! I'm so excited he's going to tell us about generosity and money. No, um, we're going to talk about generosity and power, but we get there most easily through the avenue of money. Okay? so we 're going to be talking about money this morning and um, and the reason that that's hard for us is because it actually means something to us right um, that we know we're getting close to the things that are meaningful when we when we squirm and when we leave and we say gosh you know that preacher's always talking about money well this i i've been thinking like um, this is probably the closest i've gotten to actually preaching a sermon on money because The texts that I have preached through over the course of my ministry have not intersected there very much. Um, So I just can't think of many opportunities that uh, have been this closely tied to it. But this morning, we're going to intersect there. So here's my challenge to you, my encouragement, okay? Because money is so close to home, right, and uh, it hits that personal space for us, here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about one person or one unit And that is you and your family. Don't think about anybody else. Don't let your mind wander off down roads because you don't know anyone else. You don't know their life. You don't know their circumstances. You don't know where they're at, where they've been, where they're going, what the Lord is doing in them. So let's think about yourself. That's the best place to be pondering and considering as we talk about generosity and power this morning. All right. That out of the way. Let's do... uh, Luke chapter 19, beginning in verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and he welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he is gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay back Four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Let's pray. Father, thanks for your word this morning as we come to it, as we meditate on it, as I speak concerning it. We pray that all of these things would be acceptable in your sight. And we pray, Father, that you would indeed... Uh, continue the work that you've begun in us, a work that is deep into our hearts. And, um, and Father, we ask that that change that you've begun will continue until the day of Christ's appearing for your glory and for our good. Amen. So a lot of you are familiar with the story, story about Zacchaeus, We Little Man Was He. He climbed up in a sycamore tree to see who he could see, um, as the little song goes. You're familiar with it. The song uh, the, and the story are. We think of them in terms of Zacchaeus, right? Zacchaeus longing to see Jesus, his heart, his motivation. But the story really is about Jesus. Um, it's it's about. Uh, the encounter that Zacchaeus has in uh, with Jesus and the work that Jesus does in him. That's really kind of the thrust of the story. Um, and you'll notice in verse 10, Luke tells us out front, no issues, exactly what it is that Jesus came for, right? He says that the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. I want you to think about that. Because a lot of times, um, you know, we, we have this general association that um, many of us, many people feel they're Americans, they're Christians. If you're a Christian, you're an American sort of a thing. Or we, we've we grown up in, uh, you know, there, there are any number of churches in our land that you could grow up in. And uh, and essentially, um, you're a part of them and you've never recognized, you've never seen, you've never known this Need for a conversion in your life um, a change, but that 's exactly what Luke tells us that Jesus came for. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost he didn't he didn't come in order to help us be a little bit better, to to give us a little bit of a nudge somewhere in our lives to, you know, maybe shore up this area or that area. He came to convert sinners. And so if you grew up in one of those churches or, you know, um, it, probably for the first good portion of my life up until I was 20, 21, that was sort of how I just, you know, I was I was a decent person. I wasn't really a bad kid. Growing there into early adulthood, I, I needed Jesus because, right, that was going to make me happy, was probably the best way that I viewed it. But Jesus comes not to make us happy, not to help us along. He comes to convert us. Now think about that. Because in this story, Zacchaeus is a man who needed conversion. That's where it all begins. That's where generosity and power, that's where it begins. It begins with a conversion in our lives. It begins from taking us out of realm A and putting us into realm B. It begins by giving us something that we never, we didn't have before. And in the, in the case of conversion, it's a new heart. We are promised a heart change, a heart of stone leaves us, and a heart of flesh, a beating heart, a real heart, a, a heart that's susceptible um, to the grace of God is given to us. Zacchaeus, by all general appearances, was not a bad dude. He wasn't a part of a biker gang. He he wasn't on skid row. He, he lived in a nice home. He had a nice, you know, uh, level of living. Granted, he's described at the beginning as, uh, um, a chief tax collector, but he's described as wealthy. And generally in society, we can, not all, I mean, I mean, you know, you've, you've got, there, there are folks who are wealthy that, um, made their wealth in, in ways that are not on the up and up. And, and some of Zacchaeus' wealth was obviously made that way. Um, that's why Zacchaeus has a hard time being able to see Jesus. I mean, you think about it. it if you're a relatively tall individual, is it, is it going to really put you out to let somebody come and stand in front of you who's shorter? No, I mean, you just look over their heads, right? So Zacchaeus, being a wee little man, should have been able to make his way up. But folks kept him out. They didn't. They didn't want him anywhere near them. Um, so, so we know Zacchaeus to some degree is on the outside, but he's not a. He's not a bad. He's not just a blatantly bad guy. He's not, you know, part of MS13 or something. And and those are the people that we generally think need conversion. I mean, if you grew up in you know, Cape Girardeau, Missouri. And uh, you were born into, you know, a home that was a middle class home and your your dad, you know, held a job and your mom held a job and you went to school and you graduated with a 3.0 and and you, you know, you never went out and got drunk and what's the need for conversion there? But that's exactly what the text tells us that Jesus came to do. He came to seek and save God. The lost. There's a story in John chapter 3 where Jesus meets a man named Nicodemus. And we learn in that passage that Nicodemus was a member of the Jewish ruling council. Right? So, you know, I often say Nicodemus was the kind of neighbor that you want. You know, this guy was a letter of the law kind of a guy. Followed all the rules. Did everything right. Okay. I mean, he he goes to, you know, school board meetings and and council meetings and he supports the mayor and and uh, the local sheriff's department. And he carries his trash can back as soon as it's emptied Right? he doesn't sit out there overnight. He mows his yard. He he is a model citizen, a model member of society. And he meets Jesus. And what does Jesus tell Nicodemus? Nicodemus, you must be Born again. Really? And Nicodemus has to be converted? Yes. That's what Jesus came to do. He came to seek and save the lost. And when, as long as we're depending upon who we are, for our standing with God, we're lost. And Jesus comes... For that. C.S. Lewis says Jesus didn't come to make bad people good, He came to make dead people alive. And Nicodemus is a prime example of that. In our text, Zacchaeus could be an example of that. And so the question that we all have to ask is when you talk about your salvation, do you talk about it in the past tense? I've been saved. Jesus saved me. That's a good indicator that you actually get it, right? I was saved. I was changed. I was converted. I, I understood who he was back then. I know You have to give me a, a date. But do you understand that your salvation is past tense? That it's accomplished for you, right? That you are simply resting in Christ. You are in Him now. That's a, that's a good indicator that you actually understand. If, however, when asked to kind of give your testimony, you say things like, well, I'm trying to do my best. Um, I hope that God will accept me. Um, I, I'm, really, you know, I'm really trying to live for Him. Those aren't necessarily bad things. But when your, when your trust is in what you're doing, you're not understanding the, the accomplished work for you that Jesus has done. And conversion is where generosity in every part of life, and especially this morning when we talk about generosity and power, that's where it begins. Conversion. Conversion. Understanding what it is that Christ has done for you. Now let's talk about how does, how does generosity with power, in power, how does that grow in our lives? And here's how it grows. It grows when we are connected to the Savior. So you'll notice in the story that Zacchaeus runs, he climbs the tree, verse 5, Jesus reaches the spot, he looks up at Zacchaeus, he says, Zacchaeus, come down, I'm going to come to your house and I'm going to eat with you, right? I'm going to stay with you is actually the word that is used. I'm going to abide with you. I'm going to hang out for a while. We're going to spend some quality time together. And so in the text, I really take the text to be telling us that what happens is he comes down, he welcomes him gladly, and then in verse 7, when um, or verse 8, Zacchaeus stood up. What seems to have happened is a passage of time in there where they've gone to Zacchaeus' home, he's welcomed Jesus into his house, they've dined together, that would be the indication apparently to me, is that they were in the reclining position. And so when Zacchaeus stands up, he's standing up from the dinner table. So they have spent some extended time together in this having supper, supping together, if you will. And they've been there. And now Zacchaeus stands up. And it's that time at the table, right? So It's the time from Jesus looking up into the tree saying, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house. And him saying, come on. To Zacchaeus standing up. There's a period of time in there where Zacchaeus has sat with Jesus and they've conversed. And my guess is Jesus talked and Zacchaeus listened. Because in that verse 7 or verse 8, When Zacchaeus stands up, he is standing up in response to what Jesus has been saying to him. He is standing up in the response to this conversation that has been taking place, which would have been normal, over the dinner table. And he is responding to that call and the abiding with Jesus. The staying, right, with Jesus at his house. Now, I know that's a short period of time. It goes to the radical nature of the conversion that was taking place in Zacchaeus's heart. But the bottom line, end result is that Zacchaeus spent time with Jesus and it changed his heart. And here's, here's the basics. The basics are spend time with Jesus. In, in, in reformed circles, we call this connecting, appropriating, being a part of the means of grace. Right? So the preached word is a means of grace to you. The Lord's Supper, the sacrament of baptism, are means of grace to you. So, so you hear the gospel you see the gospel, you pray the gospel, you sing the gospel, you fellowship amongst yourselves, you live the gospel, all right? So all of those things are a means of grace for you. That That is, they are showing for, showing to you, they're, they're an opportunity for you to hear and see and taste and experience the gospel. And when you're doing those things, you are connected to the body of what? Christ. You're connected to Jesus. You, you are abiding with him. And uh, and that's the critical, important point for us. We have to be connected. To Jesus and to be connected to Jesus means you're connected to his church. This is the only way organization that Jesus said I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He didn't say he was going to build the rotary club, he didn't say he was going to build anything else. He said I will build the church and the church will be to the world me. Now you're the you're the you're the body of Christ. We, as joined together as his people, we are the church. And so what do we do? We come, we hear, we sing, we pray, we fellowship, we eat, and we do it together as his people. And that's how we stay connected to him. C.S. Lewis put it this way. The church exists for nothing else but to draw men into Christ and then to make them little Christs if they are not doing that, that is the church, all the cathedrals, clergy, missions, sermons, even the Bible itself are simply a waste of time. God became man for no other purpose. That's why we exist. For people to join us and to become like Christ. And so we do that by being connected to the church. Alright. Where does it begin? It begins with conversion. How does, it, how does it grow on us? It grows on us as we ingest the gospel into our lives. Now let's ask that the third and final question. Where does it end? We're thinking about generosity with, with our power. This is the this is the tricky part. This is the, this is the part that will challenge you probably more than the, the first two. Although you don't get here without being converted and being connected to Christ, as Zacchaeus learned. In every other religion, it is, I do, therefore I am. In Christianity, it's, I am, therefore I do. And you see that as Jesus comes and he calls Zacchaeus, he spends time with Zacchaeus, and Zacchaeus responds. Zacchaeus' response is not to earn favor, it's a response to what he has heard from Jesus, to that gospel message, whatever it was, however it sounded as Jesus gave it to him. Zacchaeus's response to that is, Is what we see in the passage. And so that conversion is taking hold. And here's what he says. Second half of verse 8. He stands up and he says, Look Lord, here now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. What does Jesus say? Jesus takes that. And he says, Today... Salvation has come to this house. He's saying it because Zacchaeus's response to his money and his power, the way that he is now going to view these things which previously were preeminent in his life. So he has got money and power. What is he going to do with those two things having just heard the message that Jesus has given to him? That's the question. And when he responds, Jesus responds. And he says, you've got it. You've heard the message. He's not saying, right, uh, okay, um, now that you've done that, salvation has come to this home. He's saying, no. That is the fruit of conversion that you're demonstrating, Zacchaeus, and the way that you're going about doing it now. And so... Um, Someone has said it this way. Jesus is saying, "I know you are saved because you are giving your money away." Right? That's a sign. That's a that's a response. That's what follows. And you know, we have we really have not encountered the grace of God unless it changes our attitude about the thing which is closest to our heart. And money may not be the thing closest to your heart? Maybe it's power. Maybe it's your time. There's something else that will be closest to your heart. And your attitude with respect to that, the way that you go about utilizing it, will show where your heart is. So, in this instance, money and power are simply a good litmus test for us about how we're doing with respect to our money. So, what is what does Zacchaeus' response tell us? Well, let's look at it. The first thing is, he tells us, I'm going to give half of my possessions away to the poor. So, Lord, I'm going to take 50%. I'm going to cut out that, and I'm going to give it to the I'm going to give that 50% to the poor. Wow. The Old Testament required 10%. Zacchaeus comes along and says, I'm going to give. I'm going to liquidate and give away 50% of what I have. And then the next part is, he says, and for those people who have been, he's not saying if I've cheated someone, he's saying, right, if, there's an, if that person is out there, whoever that person is that I have swindled, I'm going to pay them back four times. And what was required was two times. And Zacchaeus is going above and beyond again. And he's giving, he's giving to the point that it is going to hurt. It's going to hurt the way he lives. It's going to hurt the way in which he exercises power. Because listen, however you however you want to view it. Part of Zacchaeus's deal was he exercised power over people. And he did it with wealth. That's what Rome was doing. That's why, that's why Zacchaeus had the job that he had. Because he was, you know, it wasn't taxation in the way that you and I think about it. It was shakedown money. I mean, you paid Rome to keep them off your back. It's like you know the mob and the mafia, and so Zacchaeus was a part of that entire system. And so all of the people that he touched, he touched them in such a way that he exercised power, and, and you can put it another way, he exercised dominion over them. He had influence over the undue influence over their lives. And so what that did is that allowed Zacchaeus to live. Okay, and so we're, we talk about power and. And I'll tell you, this was, this was challenging for me this week. But when we think about power, the way that Zacchaeus used it, the way that we use our, our wealth, okay? What that does is it insulates us from difficult decisions in everyday life. It gives us, it gives us not power, you know, not, you know, grinding somebody into the dirt power. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about simply the power over your life to live your life exactly in the way that you want to live it. And control it. Every single part of it. And money allows us, right? Wealth allows us to live that way. And so what Zacchaeus is doing is he's giving away wealth in such a way that it it lifts the boats of those around him and allows them to experience some of that power in their own lives. And so he's divesting himself of a significant amount of wealth, an amount that would hurt him in order to not exercise that power over them, to give him less influential power in his life and more influential power in their life. Does that make sense? And that's a challenging idea. As I thought about it this week, I th- I was really asking myself where have I seen this in my own life. And I have a very it's a very personal place for 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 me for Jody I think, okay? Um and I tell you this not you know this is going to look different for everybody here. The the amounts look different, the percentages look different, okay? To give to that that place where um, it, it alters to some degree the power balance in our lives. That looks different for everybody, and it's going to happen in different ways at different times. So as you think about yourself, let me just give you a personal example. This is an example to say, you know, not saying this is the way you've got to do it. This is the way it happened for me and my personal journey with respect to power and wealth. When Jody and I, I was 40, so she would have been a lot younger. <laughs> I was about 40 when Jody and I first had the conversation about adoption. Forty. <clears throat> and... We had the conversation, and I liked the idea. So, I mean, who can't like the idea of adoption? But I couldn't go there. And it wasn't until years later, five plus years later, six, that I had a conversation with a fellow pastor. I name other people, so I'll name him. His name's Harrison Spittler. Some of you may know Harrison and they had adopted two children. And I had a conversation with Harrison, and I, and I gave him my heart, and I told him. I said, Harrison, I'm too selfish to adopt. I, there's, I don't want to give up. Jody and I were at the point in our lives where we took a, you know, I, I think about that period right before we decided for We took a trip to Niagara Falls in the middle of winter. Sounds dreamy, doesn't it? Some of you are like, why would you torture your wife like that? We left the kids at home, all four of them. We were at that point. We were starting to experience some of that power over our lives, right? Like we were getting life back. And then I had the conversation with Harrison and I told him, I'm too selfish to adopt. I don't want to give up. (laughs) We've done all that heavy lifting. There haven't been diapers in our house in years. And the money, and I'll be old, and it's gonna set us back, and, and all of that stuff. And Harrison put his finger right on it. And he told me, he told me that I was selfish and that I I was not listening to what the Lord because I was wrestling with it. He knew that. Right? So going the direction of adoption for me was listening to the Lord with respect to power and influence, and which has to do a lot with money. It's a very expensive adventure, right? And a lot of people, you know, I finally just got to the point, I said, I'll, buy, I'll borrow $30,000 to buy a car, but I won't do that to work through an adoption to save a little girl. See, so the Lord began to change my heart and mind about thinking about my stuff in my life, my time, and that's, My power. That was the only power I, and it's, listen, here's the reality. It's a perceived power, anyways. You only have what the Lord's granted you. And so, it took, it took that in my life to break me free from some, from some areas. Um, and look, he's not, he's not done. Not done in my life, not done in your life. There's nobody in this room where you can say, I'm at the point where I'm give out, right? I've given up all the power I can give up, Lord. I can't give anymore. Really? That's not what he says. The Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 2 says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And then what does he say? I want you to listen to this. This is what he says. So Paul admonishes us, in your relationships with one another, because that's what this is all about. He says, have the same mind as Christ, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to what? This translation says his own advantage. Power. Right? Right? Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and, he, and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. The King James translates John one twelve this way, But as many as received him to them, he gave the power to be sons of God. See, the model that's already set for us is the person of Christ, who Paul says gave up the glories of heaven in order to empower you to become a son of God, a daughter of God. That's remarkable. That's the remarkable picture that we have of of gospel love, of God love for us, right? And so when we when we think about generosity, we think about power. Probably the easiest path for us to be generous with respect to power that is give it up, right? Empower people around us is probably through our fi- the road of our finances. This isn't the finances sermon, by the way. This is the power sermon. But you see how those two are so closely connected and can be in our lives. That's challenging. It's challenging for us because the world we live in is you know demands a lot, asks a lot, the government wants their peace everybody and I'm not saying you know the elders and deacons are going to kill me for this I'm not even saying give it to this church I'm just saying be willing to give it away, be willing to find a cause that is going to bring glory and honor to the Father, right, and give there and if it is your church, if this church is the place where Ministry is happening and you're seeing that and you're longing to be supportive of that and what God is doing, then that's a tremendous encouragement, obviously. But, but wherever the Lord is working and where you see that happening, that's what He's asking. And that's what we're asked to do as His people. And that would be my call to, in. <laughs> I don't know whose phone that was, but that was perfect timing. Let me pray for us. <laughs> Father, thank you for your goodness to us. And, um, Father, as we hear the story of Zacchaeus and we see how his conversion led to his generosity and led to his giving up at least uh, some of his power in that community, uh, Father, we, we just pray that you would move us in that direction as well. Um, That we would long to see others uh, increase, that we may decrease. We would long to see Christ increase, that we may decrease. We thank you for the gospel, the good news of the God-man who offered himself as a sacrifice of atonement for us. That he would lift our boats. That he would empower us to be sons of God, daughters of God. What good news that is to us. Let us see and taste to know how true the gospel is in our lives as we move out into the world this week. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.